How is the new computer? It's nice. It's nice. Same exact one. I was at the Apple store and they were like, you know, this is your third laptop in a year. I was like, hmm, is it? <laughs> it's actually kind of rude. <laughs> I mean, listen. Like they're reminding you of how much you failed. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, <laughs> it's, it, 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 it was well-earned shame because every time I get a new laptop or something, it either crashes or it's insane. I don't even want to talk about it. But. Well, let's not talk about the computer <laughs> situation. Let's talk about some great things that is part of this world, which is comic books and anything comic book related. Welcome to the Masters of Comic Books podcast, where we're two fanboys with all the power. I'm your player one, Cole L. And I'm your player two, Dayspring. And Sailor Moon Cosmos. I know you're not a Sailor Moon stan. I did see that, though. That's fantastic. I know it's been in high demand from fans for years to come, so fantastic. Oh, yeah. I mean, that trailer sort of came out of nowhere. I mean, they were planning a live stream and then it just dropped and it was amazing. I mean, Toei Animation has a tradition of being very coy with any Sailor Moon projects and not giving a lot of info. So it was actually surprising that we got a trailer this early on. So, yay. When's that coming out next year or something like that? Or Yeah, but OK, in, in true Toei fashion. No one really knows. It said 2023 Roadshow. What the fuck does that mean? Like, what does that mean, Toei? This first started off as a series that was airing on, you know, on the web. And then it went to Netflix. And then it turned into a movie. Or not Netflix. It went to Hulu. And then it went to a movie. And then it went to Netflix. And no one knows. So I guess now it's a 2023 roadshow. So they're going to travel the world playing this movie. I don't know. I know nothing to Sailor Moon. I know. We're going to get you to be a Sailor Moon stand. We're going to get you to be a Sailor Moon stand. Mm. You know what? I can't wait. I'm all here for it. Do you know what I'm really here for? Me? Dr. Strait. Well, yeah, obviously oh. you. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you're like me. <laughs> Always. But Dr. Strange comes out this week. I'm so excited. It's, I have to avoid Twitter. I was on Twitter last night. And I, I heard saw, there were spoilers already. Well, because I saw the Illuminati were trending. And I was like, wow. I mean, we live in a world where the Illuminati are trending. I mean, again, it was Agatha all along. The Agatha Harkness song from WandaVision was number one on iTunes. That was mm -hmm. insane. So now the fact that the Illuminati are trending on Twitter, I was like, this is incredible. Let me, intuitively, I just clicked on it. It's, it's yeah. my fault. Yeah. It's and I saw cool. spoilers. Oof. Yeah, I'm trying to spoil. I'm not spoil. I'm trying to avoid it as much as possible. But like you said, it's really cool how like these various trailers and um various like images from these movies are. They bring to life all these like little story elements that we read in the comics. Now they're trending on Twitter, like Illuminati or like House of M was uh, trending uh, back in January of last year. I mean, it's all. It's so cool. Dude, we live in a world where Moon Knight was also trending number one on Twitter. I mean, this is just, if someone would have told me this back in like the 90s and early 2000s, first of all, I'd be like, what the fuck is Twitter? But secondly, I'd be like, they are that popular. Like, I was, I forgot what I was talking about it with. Gosh, it was someone very insightful. But it was like, at one point in your life, being a comic book nerd was kind of like, not cool like you were mm -hmm. kind of ostracized you were that weird seth cohen like character who had a comic book club and there was only one person in it and it was you and now you're the coolest person at the table everyone wants to know who's moon knight how is he in the comic books who are the illuminati like how do they come together is it the same as the comics like what happens in the comics so it's really cool to see that these characters that we've internalized for so many years are actually getting the worldwide worldwide recognition recognition they deserve Sorry, I'm like yeah, really I, excited. I, I just hope it um it's great to see it with the Marvel stuff. I hope to see it with DC Comics too, because there's a lot of great DC material out there that deserves a lot of recognition as well. And maybe that'll come in to fruition lately. I don't know. Okay. What? I don't know what's going on with Warner Brothers, why they can't manage their talent properly. Oh well, yeah. Uh Ezra Miller, man. Ezra Miller being one of them, yes. 
you know, every the, the drama with Henry Cavill and the negotiations yeah. of the contract. But what I was going to say is the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp trial. That's another one. Yeah. I mean, th- I saw that they have a petition to remove Amber Heard from Aquaman 2. And I think stuff like that is just horrible and vitriolic. And you shouldn't really pay attention to that. But given like what's come out of this trial, I'm like... Both of them should just be removed from their respected franchises, which Johnny Depp Well, they has. already took Johnny Depp out for Fantastic Beast. Yeah, and um, and I believe Pirates, he mentioned he wasn't going to be coming back. Oh, but, I didn't know that one. But, like, you know the story of what came out about Amber Heard, allegedly. Allegedly, mm-hmm. her prank of defecating in the bed and blaming the dogs. And I'm like, oh my, that's an image that I can never unsee. Like, yeah, recast Or that I, I want to get that statement out of my mind. I don't want to <laughs> hear that ever again. <laughs> but I'm just like, what is it with DC? DC should be a rival to Marvel and like a really good rival. Like in the way that like, okay, here's Coke and here's Pepsi. They're similar, but very different. And people prefer different things. DC has the makings of fantastic stories. Ezra Miller is going through a lot and they really need someone who's going to wrangle them in and be on their side. And it's just, it's really, it's really upsetting, but you know, the stuff with Henry Cavill, why didn't they lock Henry Cavill in for like six pictures on the contract? I don't, I don't they were tra- Well, I don't know. I don't know any of the backstory to this. And this is probably just stuff that's been talked about for years and years, probably since Justice League came out in 2017, but it's just like, or 2016, I think, but it's just like, it's, they rushed in with their like cinematic stuff and they have, don't get me wrong. I, I do think they have some decent like animation uh, movies and stuff, which are pretty solid, but it, they're not memorable and they kind of just get brushed to the side a lot of the times. And you also have like the CW stuff. That's a huge mess with like the Arrowverse and everything. And that stuff's what, <laughs> I went on a doom scrolling mission for Black Canary in the Arrowverse, trying to understand to make sense of that history. Because I love Katie Cassidy. I think she is the last WB princess ever. She was on the CW. She was on Seventh Heaven, and then obviously she went to Arrow, where she played Black Canary. I, I, I. It's it's all garbage. I'm sorry. Superman and Lois is good. I love That's Superman right. and Lois. I, I did. That's like, I, I did watch it. It is good. Sorry, it's probably the only solid show out of the whole thing at, in recent memory, probably. But like, I never cared for Flash or uh, what was the other one? Uh, Christ on Infinite Earth or no? What was it? Like Legends of Tomorrow or Legends something like of that? Tomorrow. Yeah, I don't didn't care for that. Arrow, I didn't care for either. It, well, it's just, it's just like all over the place, and it's a huge mess. And it's because they didn't take their time, and like, they it just wasn't. It, it just nothing was established it was just to get just try to catch up to what marvel's doing in this sort of a sense you know and i mean i love like cinematic stuff too and it's just i don't know <laughs> well i mean i think with the cw shows you can tell they were making it up as they went along i don't believe they had a you know plan and it, it was really upsetting. Like Arrow really did change tone like midway through its series. I did. I came in and out of it. One of the things that bugged me about the CW shows is that they keep following the same formula for every season, which is such an antiquated way of telling stories via television. And we yeah. saw this in Desperate Housewives. Like every season had to have a mystery. Same thing with The Flash. It's like that first season was really great. But then after that, there was always a mystery. Who is this new speedster? over and over again and it was just like do something different you know and i applaud like shows like buffy that really (laughs) did try to change it up every season i mean you did have that basic formula that you're gearing towards a season finale but at least the characters involved there were some differences there i just don't see that level of storytelling anymore in in the in the dc shows and or even and what sucks about the movies too is they're all like, I, I, I'm i okay if, if things not being cohesive and stuff and being together, but like very few movies are very good. Like, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't care for Aquaman at all, even though I love Jason Momoa. Um, Shazam is really good. I love Shazam. 
Shazam's fun. Um, Wonder Woman, the first one was really good. The second one is pure garbage. Yes, it um, is. Don't get me wrong. Uh, this Justice League, the original Justice League, the theatrical cut is garbage. Um, yeah, the awesome. Snyder cut is good, but it's in my opinion, still a failure because Snyder could not deliver a good movie within a reasonable amount of time. And you have to waste four hours to watch that film for it to get the full story. I do not like Scott Snyder and uh, Scott Snyder. Sorry. <laughs> I love Scott Snyder. Actually, <laughs> I was Scott, Snyder's, Scott Snyder is actually one of my favorite writers of all time. Zack Snyder is one of the worst writers of all time. His cinematography is decent, but that man cannot write a script to save his damn life. I am sorry, but he can't. No. Like, like, We're on the same page. Well, Man of Steel sucks. Dawn of Justice is god-awful. Okay, and... here's the thing that happened with Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. Lex First Luthor, of all, that title's terrible. <laughs> horrible title. Lex Luthor pulled a fast one on Batman, who's supposed to be the world's greatest detective. I kept thinking throughout this entire movie that Bruce Wayne was going to have the one up, that he knew that Luther was manipulating him because that's the entire point of Batman. He's one step ahead of everyone. And he made Batman like just his bro who felt susceptible to this spoiled CEO. I don't know. I man of steel. I liked man of steel until the end when they, I sorry, I don't want to be the, the typical, they still my Superman. But that is not a good representation of Superman. I don't, everyone has their own Superman. That is totally good. But I, that is not a good representation of who that character is and what he stands for. If you want to see a good representation of who Superman is, read the current action comics by Philip Kennedy Johnson. That shit is great. The Warworld Saga is doing fantastic. I am loving that series so much. And once you start reading the series, go back to a couple episodes ago where we interviewed Philip Kennedy Johnson. Well, not a couple episodes ago, a couple months ago at this point. Yeah, it, it was almost half a year ago at this point. Um, he was really kind. Uh, I loved his. I mean, he he just has a lot of respect for Superman as a character, and he's been building this wonderful story as well. And I honestly, it's kind of interesting to me. I feel like in, in my opinion right now. I feel like DC is doing really solid in the comic book realm where Marvel, I think, is lacking a little bit, in my opinion. That's fair. But like Marvel is really strong within the cinematic realm and the TV show in the TV shows, while DC is kind of lacking that sort of area. But it, it's it's interesting, honestly. And the funny thing is, I I don't want because I love the MCU and stuff, but I really want to make sure I don't forget about the original material and stuff and start focusing more on the movies and TV shows. Cause I have a huge passion for comics and I love supporting character uh, characters. Well, yeah, I love supporting characters, but I also love supporting like creators and stuff. They're like independent work and stuff. Like I, there was a book called bloodstained teeth by Christian Ward that I really liked that came out last week. Um, Knights of X as well. Oh, yeah. Knights of X by Teeny Howard came out. There was another issue of Maisie Spider-Man uh, that relaunched with John Romita Jr. and Zeb Wells. That was OK. Death of the Justice League, which is like another marketing ploy to bring in new readers, which I think is smart on their part. A lot of great stuff, honestly. I love comic books. So I love comic books, too. <laughs> and I really hope that I think sometimes I see that people get it and sometimes I see that people don't get it. I see where it's easy to get lost in this idea of making like billion dollar franchises, but don't forget like the stories you publish today are the seeds for your billion dollar franchises in a decade. And you really Mm -hmm. do have to tell good stories first and you do have to support the creative teams and stuff like that. I think that's why Hickman's Hotspox is doing so well in in terms of the X-Men brand, because it's new, it's innovative. We can dissect it. We can say we like this and we don't, of course, but it is starting off with a good story idea that's not tied to the MCU. And I think there's it was some one of the, in, well, sorry, I totally interrupted you, but I was just going to say it was one of the first like ones I feel like at Marvel at that time, you know, yeah. because everything like as soon as the MCU really started taking over the forefront within like media in general, I feel like like because Disney owns Marvel, of course, they were just like, OK, now have these comics look like the movies now. Yeah, in a sense, like, and, I hate that. I, and yeah, it's frustrating because like it 
eliminates the originality and the uniqueness to that character by taking like almost like erasing what came before it you know and now just like substituting that for uh for a tv show or a movie that just came out a year or two prior you know and i think it, it works sometimes i think with someone like carol danvers whose voice sort of struggled throughout the years in the comics someone like peter quill who didn't really have a set personality you see like Brie Larson's and Chris Pratt's interpretation of the characters, and they're very popular. I don't mind importing some of that into the comics because now you have sort of a roadmap in defining these characters, but it should start with like good stories first and let the creative teams do what they do. I don't know. You know, it's. I think it has gotten better over the years with Marvel, I feel like. Maybe in just like maybe the last couple of years or something. But, like, I think we mentioned this last week or so, how we were talking about, like, when there were movies coming out, and bless you, when there were... <laughs> I felt it were, coming, that's why I muted myself. I saw you, I was just like, <laughs> I hope he's muted. <laughs> <laughs> um, No, like, because, like, if there was movies comes out, like, we talked about this, like, with Civil War, they came out with an event called Civil War 2, instead of just, like, re-releasing the other terrible event by Mark Millar, or yeah. they did Infinity Wars when Infinity War came out. But I feel like they've done better by re-releasing the material the TV shows, the movies are being influenced by like with the moon Knight, they came out with Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Maleev's stuff. And then they came out with Jeff Lemire and Greg Smallwood stuff. Uh, I don't know if they did anything. Oh, with Hawkeye, they released a fraction and aha stuff. And so they've gotten much better. I feel like, and I feel like the release schedule of those books and trade paperbacks and hardcovers are coming out at a reasonable time when the shows come out too it's either like right before or just like as it's coming out and i think that's really smart on their part because number one it's a way to boost sales on their own end but it's also to help readers who are like i'm interested in moon Knight, but i don't know shit about it so but these books are just coming out so maybe this will help me get into it or something you know yeah, and think about it from like even a publishing level. If you're like Marvel or DC, you release a a show called WandaVision and it's based off of this obscure comic from the 80s that probably didn't do that well, has probably remained on your backlist. And now all of a sudden there's this crazy high demand for it and you're sold out of your print run. You have to do a, another print run and then another one. And you're making, you're capitalizing off of your backlist. Essentially now, every comic book in existence, if they get a good property like treatment in, in a cinematic scope, you have an evergreen backlist. And it's just showing that these comic books, like if you invest in good stories and good creators, it's going to be in perpetuity. It's just mm -hmm. so insane. And the amount of money they're probably getting off of a comic book that costs them, by today's standards, nothing to produce. And yeah. I don't know. It's an exciting time. I think the comic book industry is in a very exciting time. I mean, listen, IPs are are huge. Intellectual properties are huge. And it's we're, we're definitely seeing something new happen here. And I don't know. I'm just really excited. Even watching Moon Knight today, I was like, or the other you day. You just watched it today. Oh, I was about to say, you just day, watched I, it today? Wow. I watched it on my flight and to Vancouver, which was like six hours. It's I, I, I'm just like watching it. I'm like, my God, like this story, like it's, it, it started off in like someone's like comic book, like, and now it's this here and it's so beautiful and innovative and I'm rambling. And I think what's, what makes the MCU even more special is that they took, they're able to grab fantastic stories or fantastic story elements that were published years ago mm -hmm. that, we were considered nerds for reading and now we see it on the big screen and and it's produced beautifully not through just like cinematography but also not because it looks cool but we have fantastic acting we have fantastic cinematography we had fantastic scripts and just overall it's just beautifully well done i feel like and each and, and it's great because each show is a learning curve, but it's also a way to show what they can, what they've thought of through what we've read in the material they're taking influence from, you know? 
Yeah, and I thought about it with this episode about that learning curve because there were some things I was like, and then other things I'm like, well, you know what? They're doing something different. And you need to applaud people for doing things that are different and taking Mm -hmm. storytelling into different directions. We don't need the same series over and over again, thinking of the CW quality level shows. You want to have shows that are really pushing the bar, that are tackling really important questions and yeah they're commenting on society like think about everything that we're getting here for people who are differently abled on the mental front that are being tackled here in moon Knight. think about the racism that we saw in falcon and the winter soldier and the commentary about grief and wandavision you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like they're 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 driving a message there. And I appreciate that. And that's something that's extremely rare. I also think it's something that makes Marvel really special as opposed yeah. to any other publishing house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of nice that each of these shows do have their own message, like you mentioned with WandaVision and uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. And even Moon Knight has its own message too. It, this, I think sort of the bit of the downside is they all have that same Marvel formula too. That kind of like, like, because you were just talking about that same formula, but I was like, Marvel does have their same formula that they kind of oh. follow. They love their arrogant hero, hero who needs to go through a mission and mm-hmm. like rise to the occasion. They love that. Yeah, it it'd be nice to see that kind of change up in the near future. I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but I'm still having fun watching these shows and watching these movies and everything is each of them are special in its own right. And they still have that special message within their material well what did you think of this episode don't hold back on me okay so let's talk about moon knight episode five asylum asylum it was directed by mohabit diab and written by rebecca kirsch and matthew orton Orton. and uh, they did a great job with this episode. I was a freaking well, first of all, I mean, it hits you right off the bat with all those like quick cuts from one little scene to the other. And it this entire episode, I was a mess. Like I like I love this episode, but I was an emotional mess all throughout. Well, Holy because you I was too, because you're a big brother. That's the thing. I'm a big brother, and I have such a special relationship with my mother that yeah. I could not imagine because, and this is the interesting thing too, is usually when you see a parent beat on a child, I know I'm really getting ahead of myself, but when you, we don't really see it in this episode of, but you hear that sound effect of that when you watch her grab that belt and then the camera pans away, but you hear that belt hit the kid. It's you, you usually see the father that does that. So to see a mother do that, it broke my heart. Yeah. And to have Mark say, I don't want to see that, dude, it, like, I, I'm getting emotional just, like, thinking about it. Well, it's one of those things where they show the genesis of trauma. And he was just a kid when he took his brother. I'm forgetting his brother's name. Oh, my God, you look like you're crying. <laughs> you're really... I told you, dude. I oh it really God. am. It, I was an emotional mess. I, you know... One of the things they did really well here is that they humanized this very awful situation and the impact Mm -hmm. of a death like that can have on everyone. And, you know, poor Mark was internalizing so much guilt and was getting the brunt from his mom. His mother was in this horrible stasis of grief where she lost her mind and said things that were so atrocious. And then it went from just an emotional abuse to a physical abuse. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have to tell you, I did not, when we were talking a couple episodes before about like, well, something must've happened to him and where, you know, he started creating these altars, right? Because I think that's the typical, I I haven't studied DID very much, but I think that's the idea that you, you endure a lot of trauma that, you know, new altars come out of that. Yeah. And, I was like, I did not anticipate it being his mom violently abusing him. And I thought, okay, the brother died when we got to that cave scene. I was like, okay, there. And the mom said something nasty and he got angry. I was like, okay, she's just in grief. You know, she said something. She'll come back and apologize. But But this lasted for a few years. Yeah, it was. Oh, my God. 
Like, I think the show did a pretty smart job by showing Mark's birthday each time and how his mom wouldn't come down to help celebrate and everything. It was, well, it did two things. It was a good way to demonstrate that his mom still is not forgiving him and wants nothing to do with Mark, but also did another good job in showing, like, time continues to pass and she still has this grunge against him. And so it, like, it, it's so crazy how impactful that was to her and that she never, ever forgave Mark for it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's horrifying. It, it, it was a horrifying situation, and I really felt for Mark. And as we saw in the previous episode, we saw Stephen Grant, you know, when there's danger, don't worry, whatever the slogan was. And that's where he turned to for the inspiration of Stephen, that in the face of danger, you can be courageous. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how it's a different kind of courageous with Stephen. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. like an explorer, you know, off into danger because that's more Mark, but it's more of like, oh, let me pick up this room so mom is happy. And and he sort of took the reins from where Mark couldn't. And Stephen really rose to the, I have to tell you, that was very beautiful. It was, it was I thought it was hand- beautiful. I mean, it was handled extremely well too. And I think what I found really interesting that I never like, thought before is how Stephen does not his, remember her, his mother being like that but Mark does like Stephen's like when right before like when he, we're in Mark's room and we see Stephen first come to fruition as um, well we, like Mark switches to Stephen and stuff it's Stephen like the grown up Stephen watching the younger Stephen picking up everything it's he's like i don't remember any of this like it's so fascinating and even after his mom passes because you have mark drunk not wanting to attend the funeral and he's just on the street crying kneeling and just him crying and then all of a sudden steven becomes comes back again and he calls his mom it's so fascinating that as soon as he changes this identity, it's like his mom's a totally different person. Like he's best friends with his mom again, like it used to be before his brother passed. And did you notice that his cell phone wasn't like open to a call? It was like open to like a website or something like that. Mm-hmm. So he's literally just talking to the phone. And that's actually really beautiful because that's what he wants his mo- the, the relationship with his mother. And mm-hmm. Oh, it was so, so incredibly heartbreaking. I just... I do it, have a question, though. If Mark was drunk, wouldn't Steve still be drunk? <laughs> right, you would think because of the physical aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, listen, sometimes I, I just kind of, like, nod and let things just go. Like, yeah. I mean, like, I'm already an emotional mess. I can't question much of this anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a really interesting. And I, I wonder, I mean, because, right, the effects of alcohol aren't psychological it's a physical intoxication you know yeah and (laughs) um trust me yeah (laughs) and i i i just i i wish they would have tackled stuff like that i was happy that they who was the it was the egyptian goddess of women and and children and birth right was that the egyptian goddess that you had mentioned in our previous recording yeah it's like tarot or something like that i can't remember i'm i'm really bad with like name uh tarot or something like that i'm really happy Tourette. that she something mentioned like that. that oh yeah you guys died <laughs> cuz i yeah. was like yeah he fell and he hit his head on stone i mean i got he got shot but like boyfriends are dead but <laughs> i thought it was First of all, I thought she was adorable. I loved her so much. I was like, yeah, I it was she. I thought the CGI in her looked really well as too. Like, oh my God, remember, no, I didn't. I had to didn't? comment about the CGI. Well, I okay, did, I thought the CGI okay, I didn't was think great. It was as, I didn't no. think it was too uh, for this. I thought the CGI was pretty solid. It was very minimal throughout the episode, of course, but I thought it was pretty solid for what it went out to do. I mean, what's funny is uh, the Egyptian god hippo part reminded me when the end credit scene for eternals when what's his name with star fox oh my god i'm drawing a blank on his name oh i know i know who you're talking about i'm so i'm forgetting right now and i'm looking at star fox right now no but i know where you, the 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 cgi was clearly off well in that but like i thought this was much better than from a cinematic movie yeah. is kind of like what i'm getting at i just think like when you no know, okay first of all let me let me let me clarify it's not cw level quality at all i thought 
75% of the episode, especially when they were heading to the gates of Osiris, I thought the CGI there was beautiful. That's when I was on my plane and I was like, oh my God, this is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It was only when our hippo goddess came out from the door underneath it. Like you could tell she was like inserted there with the, you know, with Mark and Steven. It, it, it just, it felt a little off to me, but like, look, I get it. These are television shows. They, they got it. I don't think the budget is the issue. I think the deadline is the issue. And that's probably that too. But they, you also have to picture this too. They had to have two different Oscar Isaacs going around too. I know. So like I, that's I, still I impressive. As, and I think they did fantastic camera work with that as well. I, okay. There was this Della novella when I was growing up called La Usupadora, which deals you with. You just said a lot of words. I don't understand. Okay. This, <laughs> this Spanish soap opera called The Imposter. And it dealt with this woman who had a long lost twin sister and they meet up and they had one actress playing her. And in 1999, they could kind of make it work. <laughs> so I, yes, I agree. And on Friends, Phoebe had a sister named Ursula and it mm-hmm. always looked like they were both looking at each other. So yes, I agree. The, the way they make it look so effortless right now, they have come a long way. So I applaud well, them on yeah. that. Yeah, that's a and really complex scene. Well, and it's fascinating how they're still able to do like fantastic like camera work and like camera angles and make sure they're positioned like this, even if they're just recording like one mark here and then the Steven on this other side. But it it works really well. I really, really like it. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think the one thing I have to say about Moon Knight is that they are doing something 100% different. I am here for it. I'm shocked that we haven't gotten any Marvel Easter eggs to like the larger MCU because that's just been a hallmark of these shows. I wonder there was if- only one mention of Magic Four. Oh, uh, that's and like right. episode three. But that's, that's about right. it. But yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. I just and, and I don't I'm kind of like I don't know where I land on this. I, I on one hand I'm like okay I'm fine with that because I do think this is something new and different. It's standing on its own. On the other hand I'm like but you know, that's kind of like what you expect out of these series at this point. Like, are we going to get someone in the next episode? Is it going to lead into something? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, maybe just like a very, very quick, like, end credit scene, maybe leading to the, like, Midnight Suns or something like that. Oh, my God. I don't know. I would love a Midnight That'd Suns. be cool. I would be but so yeah, happy. so most of this episode was just, uh, it was a really good origin story of how not only Mark, be- I love how... I mean, we still had seen the origin story of Moon Knight and how Mark became Khonshu's avatar, but it was very brief. And honestly, we basically didn't really need it, in my opinion. I mean, we already know how it kind of happens. He kind of explained it. But this was a really good, like, revelation sort of origin story, and it focused on origin and identity. And this was honestly like Steven's origin story, honestly. Yeah, and here's the thing, though. The only thing I'm going to say is that I thought it was really well done. I didn't find anything surprising in it other than, you know, being it, – it, it was a mom that was sort of the conduit for the drama, for, for, for the trauma. Not, I would have thought the brother dying was already enough, you know, for mm. for, for, for I'm kind of glad it wasn't, to be honest with you. Like, of course, he has this sort of guilt of him dying and everything. Yeah. but. I like how they continued with that with the mother. I feel well, like because it's not just one event that traumatizes mm-hmm. an individual. It's all of that built up to it and that like the halo of dominoes falling. Yeah. And and I agree with what you're saying 100 percent. So that's the one thing that like got me where I was like, OK, this is kind of predict- predictable. We kind of saw that or the seeds already planted there. But listen, it's fine. They're tackling a big issue. This is a big issue of mental health. They really did it well. I thought it. W- I was so sad when Stephen fell off the boat. Yeah, me too. Do you think this is the end of it, or do you think Stephen is still? I mean, because you can't. I don't know how DID works, so I I, I feel really bad saying this, but like, is I don't think Stephen's a hundred percent gone. I think so, this was because I, I don't. That's not how it works, is it? No. Well, I think the entire point of DID treatment is integration. Right. And okay. I thought this was sort of the the symbolism behind it, where you want to integrate all the different altars. And 
I can only say that, you know, in United States of Terra, which is, I, I do think this show has drawn inspiration from, at the end, she's trying to get integrated, but as she's leaving for her final, like, care, she looks off into the distance and her altars are still there. And the Brie Larson was in it, and there is this line in it where it was either Brie Larson said it or The Sun, but don't let them remove the best parts of you. And the best parts of Tara are her altars. And mm -hmm. I hope that's sort of the theme we're gonna get that like, yeah, Mark needs integration, of course, you know, but at the same time, Steven represents a very beautiful part of him. And that is not something to deny or, or let go. It should be part of him. So let's see how it goes. I, I don't know, anyone's guess. And I thought what was really beautiful is how like Mark and Steven became sort of close through. I mean, they're the same person, of course, but they became close like brothers almost. And yeah. I mean, Mark was devastated when Steven fell off the boat. You know, yeah. it was just very nice to see that, honestly. And, you know, one of the things I, 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 I hope now that we're, we're talking about this out loud, I hope it isn't that Steven is gone and he's integrated or, you know, I know they were on the gates to Osiris. I took it as more as that they're two different souls and, and Steven happened to fall off the boat and it's now gone from a soul basis, not from <laughs> any sort of like mental basis. But here's the thing about mental disease. And I think this is a stigma that not many people talk about mental disease. Sometimes there is no cure for it. You have to manage it. And I suffer from a, a, a very bad mental disease. You know, I don't mind saying I, I'm, you know, I suffer from anorexia. And there are some years where I can manage it and some years where I cannot. And I think it is a little toxic to think that you have to be cured at the end of some kind of treatment because that's not the way life works. You, you manage these things and you, and you're mm -hmm. powerful enough to manage them and you're supposed to be given the tools to manage it in therapy. So I don't like the idea that it ends like, Oh yes, Mark is great now. And he's integrated. Like it's okay that he struggles. There's nothing wrong with struggling with mental disease. There's nothing wrong with managing it. And I hope that's a theme that they're going to continue on with the series. Does that make sense? Am I rambling? No, you're 100% correct because um, I suffer from something as well. And it's that, I mean, the way how you summed it up is absolutely beautiful because it's, it, in recent years, I've recently sort of relapsed to everything. And it's made me realize that even though it does always sort of come back, there are always going to be days or even years or months that are harder than others. But what this experience is supposed to show you is that you can pull through it and you can manage it. And like you said, you are given the tools to learn how to live with it and be able to pull through again. And it's it's that's just how life is. It never always goes away, but it does. There are some special moments within there that you can't take away that will that will never be taken away, despite this mental disability and stuff you know yeah well there's some you know there there's this quote from lord of the rings where you know it, it, it's in return of the king and token writes there are some hurts that go too deep that time cannot mend that have sort of taken hold and you know everyone faces things like that and and you you have to learn how to manage them and I remember when I was really bad with my anorexia initially back in like my early 20s. Everyone was like, oh my God, this is a disease for little girls. You should get over it. And there was no conversation of like, hey, it's okay that you're struggling. And hey, this is how you learn to sort of manage it. And it's something that even now that I'm well past my 20s that I, I, I still struggle with. But I know I can manage it and it's very difficult. And there's some more, I mean, even my recent trip to Vancouver, I was struggling, you know what I mean, with, 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 with my eating habits. But you're able to wrangle yourself in and sort of try to calm the storm. And, I, and that's just like the, the type of storytelling I do want to see out of Moon Knight. I don't want to see this like perfect bow tie ending because it's very rare that th situations like that happen. And yeah. you can, you, here's the thing that I think is the biggest stigma against people with mental health disorders that you cannot manage and, and live a very happy life. I can be very happy and still manage 
what is going on in me. We are very complex individuals. It's not black and white. We are gray individuals and we can sort of pilot through the storm on bad days. That's it. I'm so glad you're my friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's all I have I to say. Feel like, I feel like you were talking to me because <laughs> I knew that sometimes. But we're a self-help uh, yeah. show now. <laughs> and now we've transitioned to to faux Dr. Paul and Cole. <laughs> well, it's been mostly you. I've just been kind of just listening because I mean Sorry. I'm still kind of young. <laughs> so like you're not I'm that still, young. I know. <laughs> I'm just joking. But you I'm still like young. you're very I'm still like in the oh, what's the right word? Not new, but like <laughs> I don't know the right no, but like to your point though, like no, this is something that it's not said to younger individuals who are are going through stuff. It was certainly was not told to Mark. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mark lost his brother. His mother, but like, I don't want to say betrayed him, but turned into someone who he didn't recognize, who was saying heinous things to him. And he was never given the tools to be like, listen, this is not on you. This is something that, ha- I mean, it took him to be an adult and he would have to, him and Stephen would have to have that conversation. But like, imagine if someone would have told young Mark, like, listen, what's going on with your mom is not on you. What happened with your brother is not on you. This is a horrible situation, but we are here to help you and help manage these very complicated situations and feelings. There is nothing natural. No one can ever prepare you for being a little kid, taking your little brother into a cave, your, your, your brother drowning, and then your mom blaming you and abusing you how do you where would you even begin to like weather that on your own yeah like that is beyond devastating and i like there's no sensible way to try and cope with that and everything that is fucked up that you have every i when i was on the way to the airport to vancouver no it was to austin there was there were you know spider palm died in january and i've been really sad And there was a woman who called in on this radio show and she said that her therapist was prescribing her antidepressants because her husband died in in January. And the doctor's like, why are they giving you antidepressants? You are sad. You are okay to be sad and have these feelings. Your life has been uprooted. There is nothing in life that prepares you for losing someone you love. So you have to feel those emotions. And I just feel like the same with Mark here. I feel so bad for him. Nothing could have prepared him for this situation. And mm-hmm. he has every right to feel the way he did. He had every right to, I believe they say he created Stephen, to have Stephen come in. It's fine. I mean, it's shit happens that is catastrophic. And there's a stigma uh, that you need to get over it as soon as you can and be happy. It's fuck that toxic behavior. Well, and exactly Sorry. like, it, no, 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 no. You're totally fine because in the show, like, cause it's shown that Mark created Steven as a way to escape his guilt and everything. Yeah. And, and you're right. He was never told or given the tools of how to uh, go about this situation. And no one would know how to go about that sort of situation, but that there's, there is hope at the end. And even though it won't ever go away, there's still, and it might come back in a very, like you'll have your good days and your bad days, but just remember that there is, you overcome it every single time. And I think here is the first time we get to see Mark overcome what all the challenges that he's facing right now. And I really hope they don't just say, okay, now Mark is better now. The idea is, is it's solved. No, because I, you can't just like, okay, he, you can't just like retell the same story next again, but like you, what you can do is continue to tell his story of him still quote unquote, like struggling with it, but managing it at the same time. I agree. I agree. And the ending where he's, balanced i didn't quite understand the symbolism with that you know i i don't i i i you know throughout the entire episode i thought okay like steven and mark sort of have to find each other find common ground and that's how they will be balanced but it took steven falling off the boat i don't know what happened to him or maybe like him kind of accepting his past in a sense and trying not to escape it anymore because now you like 
because that was another thing I think throughout the episode did really well was Mark because throughout the episode you have Mark trying Stephen's trying to figure out why all like what happened to his childhood that he cannot remember or like what it really happened uh, contrary to what he thinks happened you know mm -hmm. and Mark was trying to avoid all that this whole time and so maybe at the end of the episode I don't know with Steve falling over the boat or something but I think he's finally figured out that it it's hard you can't ever escape your past your past is what shapes you and that's where we learn yeah. and that's how we learn to grow and that's how and even though there is tragedy it built you into this amazing person that you are set out to be in this world. Well, wait, wait, two really quick points to, to piggyback off what you said. I love that Steven exhibited a strength that Mark couldn't have because Mark nice is supposed too. to be like the physically strong, boom, boom. And Steven's like, ah, oh, oh. but here emotionally it's reverse. And that's, where well, yeah, Steven because, yeah, those monsters are going after Mark and Steven's like, you get, you got this, you can do it. He's <laughs> like, wait, so can I. And then, so it I was, thought that was a really nice twist that they did at the, uh, near the end of that episode. What was your other point? The other thing I, so the ending, so that's the thing about the ending that's really confusing me was, so did Steven have to die so he could like accept his past and fight? So I, I am confused. Or maybe he's realizing he needs Steven. I, which I hope so. I, I really do hope that's the message. Did, okay, so. Or it's okay he, to have Steven. You so know? the field that he's in, that's the field of reeds. That is the Egyptian, like, afterlife, if I remember correctly. Osiris yeah, was a god mentioned so. in Buffy. So I was obsessed with Osiris. Like, Willow <laughs> has to summon Osiris to resurrect Buffy. So. Yes. So in, in, in here, although in, in, in the MCU, the field of reeds, which is Osiris's like paradise, is Mark dead at the end? Like he found balance and that's it. Are, are they dead in, in the end? I don't know. It's, I, 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 don't, I, I don't know how to explain it. I mean, of course, it's going to be answered in the final episode yeah. in uh, two days from recording this. But <laughs> I, I loved this episode so much and i thought the acting was spot on not even just from oscar isaacs but the young actor who played mark mm -hmm. did a spectacular job as well even his brother i thought was really well um i don't know who played the mother but i thought she she was believable and it was sad to watch and devastating but she did a solid job in her acting and so i i really enjoyed i thought i didn't it's hard to say i didn't enjoy but like this was a well-crafted story that manipulated my emotions wholeheartedly, but it also, I think, represented DID in a very spectacular way, um, explained it pretty pretty decently, but I thought the storytelling was really solid. I thought the CGI was pretty decent for how little there was, but I think they handled a character's mental struggles very well and how it all started and where it's led him to now. Yeah, I agree 100%. I thought it was so beautifully done. It, you know, not to talk about Buffy again, I think it took inspiration from that Buffy season six episode where Buffy finds herself in an asylum and she's told she was never a slayer, that she just made all this up. I thought those themes were imported here. It was so well done. Oscar Isaac, I hope he, he gets acknowledged for his performance. He is a wonderful actor. He's fantastic. I don't, is there anything else to talk about? Um, that was, I think, no, I think we're good. I'm so excited. We've talked, for, to, we've talked to a while, so. <laughs> I'm so excited for the season finale and Doctor Strange this week. I mean, this is going to be a, a good week. Or it's MCU a big stuff. week. Big week for Marvel as Moon Knight concludes on Wednesday. And Doctor Strange comes out, what, Thursday night, correct? Yep, I'm seeing it Thursday night at Lincoln Center. Going to do an IMAX. Nice. I'm seeing an IMAX on Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. I'm actually kind of nervous because like IMAXs have like those long like rows, and like Jeff got us center seats, and I always have to pee, and I'm always so embarrassed to get up and like asking people to move. So I'm not going to drink anything going into it. 
that's what I that's what I that's what I do now for th- movies. I like make sure I don't drink too much before, but then I like pee like right before the movie starts. Oh, it's, and I love slushies and stuff like that and popcorn. <laughs> so I become like it's a it's a whole mess. But I'm looking forward to it. I haven't been to an IMAX actually since Man of Steel. <laughs> no kidding, really. I, yeah, 2013, I think was the last time I was at an IMAX. <sighs> really? <laughs> <laughs> and with that, there we are. Sorry, I was in the middle of drinking and I thought you were going to talk more when I did that. And so I had to add the sound effect to know like I was taking a sip and not uh, not and the signs didn't indicate that. Um, oh my god, do they do they hate each other now? <laughs> <laughs> Depending on the week, <laughs> you know what? That's very true. If I find this relationship, <laughs> depending on the week, we're best friends or we hate each other. But oh, I love most, you. I love you most of the time, at the end, oh, same here. I, I love Masters of Comic Books. And if you love Masters of Comic Books, a listener, please support us and follow us on Instagram at mastercomicbooks.com. And if you want to be part of our Discord, message us and I will give you the quick link to that uh, so you can be invited and you can just talk about comics all the dang dying time. It's fun. It's great. There's a lot of people on it and people just discuss comic books and all the MCU related TV shows and movies. And please rate and review us on any sort of podcast you listen to. It greatly supports the show and might add to more things that are on the way. <laughs> yes and you guys let us know if you want to anyone on the show we'll happily reach out to more talent we have some interviews coming up that we're excited for and that's it cole does a great job with our social media i love love everything you do on the masters instagram thank so you good. i'm fine thank you this means so much i'm finally starting to do quick reviews i'm shortening them up so they don't take too much of my time and god they're editing it so I told well, thank you, you so day much. one, your reviews are so good. And a lot of our early visibility came from those reviews because you were tagging creators and we were having conversations with the creators on Instagram and that's how we got them on the show. So, I mean, you're so incredibly talented. Well, thank you. But I would say Ask you're- Ask me incredib- next week. <laughs> Ask me next week. <laughs> well, and this show wouldn't be possible without you. And so you're fantastic as uh, Power of X-Men is also- fantastic as well thank you and i think we'll be having you on in a couple weeks oh really cool (laughs) we talked about it a lot's happened (laughs) (laughs) all right folks all right thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of master comic books make sure to look out for next episode and you all have a wonderful day or night depending on when you're listening to this goodbye bye